The next five months uh, will be challenging. There's less purchase business seasonally, still tons of business, uh, but rates are high. And the Fed has said they're going to keep rates higher for longer. So we're all talking about how we're going to deal with these challenges the second half of the year. And it will be challenging. Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Rancho Palo Verde. We are at the CoreLogic Connect Conference, and it's been going on um, since Saturday. They had an opening dinner, dinner Saturday and a roundtable on Sunday, and then an opening recession, uh, reception Sunday night. And today was a full day of amazing speakers. And this whole area here was packed earlier, absolutely packed with really, really brilliant people from so many different parts of our industry. Just so humbled and honored to be here. I cannot tell you what, like what a great honor it is to be at this conference. And let me tell you, if you uh, have heard of the passing of Dr. Frank Nothaft, he was the chief economist for CoreLogic. Um, he passed away in 2022, um, been in this industry for decades, um, very well known, very well respected. Um, he was paid a very um, incredible tribute tonight. And um, an a award in his honor was given out, and it was given to Christy Furco, um, who is um, CEO of all lending at uh, Wells Fargo and former chair for the Mortgage Banker Association, just uh, an incredible person herself. Uh, it's just a great event, great speakers. I learned a lot. We had someone from NASA today talking about how we're planning to explore and look at Mars and take humans to Mars. And so realtors, attention out there, uh, we've got pre-qualified borrowers that are looking for a property on Mars, so get at it. Anyway, great event here. We're at Terranea. Uh, Yes, I know it seems bougie and KP you're on the road again at this thing. Nope. I left my family on Sunday afternoon before noon to come be at this conference. People who are on the road, you're leaving your friends and family behind on weekends and sacrificing. So everyone's working in different manners. And it's good to see all these minds come together right now in the middle of the year when we're going to the second half of the year where things are slower, a little dicey. The next five months uh, will be challenging. There's less purchase business seasonally, still tons of business, uh, but rates are high. And the Fed has said they're going to keep rates higher for longer. So we're all talking about how we're going to deal with these challenges the second half of the year. And it will be challenging. It won't be as bad as last year. Second half of last year was tough. But just remember, uh, as the economy moves closer to a recession, soft landing, mild recession, no landing, whatever the case may be, the Fed is looking to see how their war on inflation is going. And if they are winning that war on inflation, they will stop raising rates. So let's talk about that war. And this week, which is one of the busiest weeks we will all see this year. Why is it so busy? The Fed is speaking this week. They do their Federal Open Market Committee meeting Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday is a press conference. Largely anticipated that they will raise another 25 basis points. Pretty much baked in the cake. Will they do another 25? I'll talk about a couple things that might uh, sway that. There's also a ton of earnings coming out this week. 
uh, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, a lot of the FANG stocks, the Magnificent Seven that have been holding up the stock market, are they finally going to sell off? Is it finally buy on the rumors, sell on the news? Are we all going to see a market sell off here this week? Have they run up so much and this is the end? Will they guide and say, hey, labor market's strong, people are still buying, our tech is deflationary, we're making tons of money, our OPEX, we're leveraging that, and we're profitable no matter what this economy throws at us? You know, those are all big bellwether signs. Plus the Fed, the European Union, and the Bank of Japan all are speaking this week. This is an insane news week. So not only are we getting a dose of what's going on in our business and data and analytics and everything that's moving this industry forward and how to get better, but we have a lot of macro news that's coming out this week. So heads up. Okay, so the Fed is looking to raise the rate. Uh, the CPI report, we know that came out and inflation has cooled. And when inflation cools, real wages grow. So if my dollar is stronger because inflation is less on whatever it is, food, energy, gas, rent, housing, owner equivalence rent, whatever the figures are, my wages have more power. But you know what else can affect the dollar? Global currencies. So what the Bank of Japan and what the European Union say this week matters. It matters because dollars compete, currencies compete around the world for investment in treasuries, gilts, euros, yen, it doesn't matter what it is. So let me tell you something. If the UK or the European Union, if they continue to raise their rates above our Fed funds rate, more investments will go to their currencies and the dollar could weaken three to 5% like that. So we're probably gonna raise rates twice. We're probably going to raise rates, not just this week, 25, but another 25, because we need to compete for that currency investment. Remember, we buy and sell money in the housing business and the Fed and Treasury buy and sell treasuries to fund our government. We need money. We need lots of money. We have a very expensive budget. We're a giant economy, the biggest in the world. And if we don't raise our rates, investments will go to other currencies around the world and we will have to pay more money for imports and that is importing inflation. So if we're going to fight inflation, we need to raise the Fed funds rate. And I think two rates are in the bag. I, I didn't think so because I'm so optimistic and I don't want to see it, but I really think that we're going to do that. But let's see what the guidance says on Wednesday. Market moving. It'll be very market moving. Now on Main Street, people are paying more, obviously for car loans and credit cards and all kinds of loans. And defaults are slightly going up on car loans and credit cards. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you know what else is happening? Companies who have corporate debt, they take out corporate bonds to help fund their businesses. And there are some businesses that are like A-rated. So they used to be called junk bonds. Now they're called high yield. But companies that take out corporate bonds and sell them to raise money to run their, comp their, their companies who are not the best A-rated companies are starting to file bankruptcy. And you're starting to see defaults in corporate debt. What that means is job losses. When jobs get lost, the economy goes into a recession. And the leading economic indicator, which is a big, big number that goes out, 
was negative again, 0.7%. We're at 4.6% uh, uh, negative leading economic indicators. Those are leading indicators that the future will show slower growth. So um, a lot of data has come out. Uh, it's a lot of mixed bag. Um, I would say, you know, again, if inflation cools, though, that could be the offset with those real wages for all of us that are still employed, which are 160 million people still employed. Even if, you know, unemployment starts to go up, those of us that are still employed have a stronger real wage as inflation cools. Will it continue to cool? Will it be sticky? Will it stay higher for longer? I don't know. But the Fed can't afford to allow other treasuries like the euros and the yen to compete for our investment dollars and make the dollar value go down, which means we would be importing inflation from around the world. We can't afford that. So the Fed's going to raise rates. Um, I hope you're invested in the market. It's been great. Uh, if you've been in the FANG stocks, I'm not a financial advisor. I am not responsible for your losses, only your profits. And I am telling you that uh, this week with earnings is a very important week when it comes to that. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Fed is, uh, is they change their language in a meaningful way, which will impact change with our business. I hope you're all tooling your businesses. And I look forward to getting back to you here later this week with another update after all this great information and data comes out. Have a great night. Cheers. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Well, it's Thursday night here, not super late, almost midnight. And I'm going to try and get some content out to you before the weekend. We have a huge news day tomorrow. The Fed has spoken this week, and their biggest inflation gauge, the PCE deflator, the Fed deflator, personal consumption expenditures. That's kind of a real-time look at what we are spending money on. GDP is 70% consumer spending. And the GDP number just came out today, by the way, 2.4%. 2.4% uh, for the second quarter. So this economy is strong. It's resilient. And the Fed is trying to fight that, uh, at the same time fight inflation. Um, but can they engineer a soft landing? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go over my notes from the Fed meeting here. I actually wrote a couple things down. I thought it was important. Uh, to relay just uh, you know some things that I had as a takeaway from the meeting. I even wrote it down so I don't forget it. Uh, I normally don't do that. I usually just spitball here, but it's been a couple days and a long week and month in, and I know we're all busy. Can you believe that there's basically five months left of the year? I mean, if we're going to be uh, in a recession this year and we're going to lose 2 million jobs between now and the end of the year, I mean, we've got five months left to do that. That means there would be like net 400,000 jobs lost a month each of the next five months. And I don't see it happening. Uh, this economy is strong. It's resilient. And if you remember when the Fed was at Jackson Hole, um, which a year ago, uh, they were at Jackson Hole. He made some comments about the economy being strong and retail sales being strong. Um, although the last retail sales report um, wasn't as strong as hoped, it was still pretty strong. Um, he basically tanked the stock market, and everyone got, you know, super scared. So the Economic Policy Symposium, right, it's like uh, a, a Fed meeting within a meeting. It's not truly the Fed, you know, board that's meeting and voting and whatnot. But um, the Fed chairman, Jay Powell, he makes statements at this meeting. Jackson Hole is a meaningful medium. So uh, meeting. So four weeks from now, um, August 24th to 26th, one lunar cycle from now, which we have a half moon at the moment, so we'll have a half moon four weeks from now at this meeting. We'll be half baked. Are we going this way? Are we going that way? 
We're going to find out if his comments move mountains. We'll also have to wait eight weeks for the September Fed meeting. The next time the Fed uh, will get together, the board, and vote, we'll have the dot plot um, where they say where they think the economy is going to go. Um, they did just now in this past meeting this week say they are, uh, do not see a recession this year. So um, that was an interesting change in comment. So GDP, big deal. I thought that was interesting. Um, I saw a pretty cool comment today. Our good friends at MBS Highway, uh, they, um, they wrote down, when they were talking about GDP, they kind of broke it down, 2.4% uh, annualized pace. Um, it is stronger than the 1.8% expected um, and higher than 2% for Q1. Now, what they said is because um, PCE inflation data, the data coming out tomorrow, was lower than anticipated in the second quarter, that quarterly inflation data, um, uh, if it had come in as expected a little bit higher, then the GDP would have only been 1.6. So if you remember my video from a couple days ago at the um, uh, CoreLogic Core Connect, um, I was talking about um, a weaker dollar in the face of other currencies being uh, sold around the world, that a weaker dollar would create um, inflation on imports. So we would be importing inflation, um, and so to speak. And so in this case, uh, less inflation at home uh, led to a higher GDP and higher growth. Um, so our dollar is stronger. It goes farther. It's buying more stuff. And um, that was... Unbelievable, 2.4% GDP. I mean, remember, we had some Fed meeting numbers at Q1 thinking we were going to be like a 0.4% GDP for the entire year, okay? So now we've had a 2 and a 2.4% Q1 and Q2 GDP. Imagine how bad the next, this month that we're in, and the next five months would have to be to get to so negative that you bring that average of 2.2 now down to 0.4%. So obviously... There's revised higher targets now and all that kind of stuff. But it's amazing how resilient this economy is. And so um, the dollar, by the way, you can always check um, the dollar index, DXY, um, the Dixie. Uh, the dollar index, that ticker symbol, you can just Google it and look up a chart, and you can see the strength of the dollar. It is um, a, a dollar index fund. It's called DXY. You can always look it up. So um, for the last year, the dollar has been getting weaker and weaker, and it actually um, it had a trough where its weakest point in the last year was July 12th. And that was when the CPI data came out, uh, the Consumer Price Index. So um, that June data that came out on July 12th, um, you know, what was it about that it made the dollar um, stop going lower and has since been getting stronger? So the dollar has been getting stronger since July 12th every single day. Why? Um, well, you know, if... Um, that inflation data is seen as, although it was improving uh, because of a resilient and strong economy, um, yet some people are worried that it's going to stay higher for longer and not be at that 2% range. But some people believe that we are engineering a soft landing. So I digress. I'm not going to go there, but you could look up um, all this uh, information for yourself. Um, and before I get to my Fed notes, uh, we did have a little bit lower new home sales uh, on Wednesday. So the annualized pace is um, 697000 down from the consensus of seven twenty. Still, though, um, new home sales is up 30% this year. And existing home sales data came out this week. It was actually a little bit higher than expected. So even with these high rates and the high sixes, 7% uh, range, people are still selling their house. Now, I got something for you here. This is a KP theory here. 
Um, I told someone this yesterday just talking out loud, and I think it's kind of interesting. You know, a year ago, rates went from the lowest they had ever been in February um, to the high seven-point whatever range in a very short order in June. So from February to June of 2022, they moved very quickly. And people started saying, hey, I'm going to wait till rates come down. I'm going to wait till there's a housing crash. I'm going to wait till homes get cheaper. Uh, and of course, they would think that because things move so quickly. Um, and since uh, November uh, 10th, when the CPI data came out, uh, the October CPI data on November 10th, rates had peaked. And since then until now, of November of 22 till now, rates have generally improved and then gone back up. They're trading in a range. But because they're not so erratic, people have gotten used to it, and we had a pretty robust purchase market this year, the first seven, uh, six, seven months. So I have a human nature thought trait here. Just as everyone, when rates shot up so quickly in a very short order, we're thinking, hey, let's stop, let's not, let's hold back. Because remember, last July, the second half of last year sucked, and everyone thought rates were going to get better at some point, and there was going to be a housing crash, but it didn't happen. So now that we've crept back up to the 7% range, I think that mindset that, that they had when it shot up quickly, now as it goes back down to a range we've already touched, okay, now that we've gone down to the low sixes and back up to the sevens, I think bars and that demand when they see rates creep down, there's going to be even more demand coming in because they're going to be like, I got to jump on this because I don't want it to go back up, right? So they're not waiting necessarily for the high fives. Um, now, of course, we all know if the rates get in the high fives, it's game on. There's $3 trillion in refinances available. All these first-time homebuyers we've been doing in the sixes and sevens, 7% range with larger loan amounts don't need to have a much lower interest rate to make a net tangible monthly cash flow benefit. So obviously, I, I'm, I know I'm bullish on this, but I think a year from now, the Fed will start to cut. And when they start to cut a year from now, um, it's game on. There'll be $3 trillion in the prior 24 months that we've done at higher interest rates that now are eligible for a net tangible benefit refinance, and it's game on. So that next 12 months from that moment, maybe it's March next year, maybe it's June, whenever the Fed decides to cut, that next 12-month period will be like gangbusters especially because there's a lot less of us left in the business. So the capacity has come down, the refis will be there, and it will be absolutely freaking game on. Okay, the Fed meeting. Here's some notes real quick, uh, my takeaways. Um, so um, I felt that uh, Chairman Powell was giddy. He was upbeat. He looked downright like excited and happy and like, kind of bouncing around. Honestly, I think, you know, you, you know my theory here. I don't think it's conspiracy theory. I think he's so happy he was able to pull off and have the cover with lagging inflation data, when we know in real time, inflation's much, much less, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.1 per month, CPI, PCE, PPI, whatever number you're looking at, he was downright giddy. He was able to pull off another quarter point raise to be able to sell higher treasuries and go refund our government. Um, plus, we got one step closer to the end of the rate height cycle. Um, doesn't see 2% range until 2025. And um, he did say we are restrictive. I got some more notes next week I'll talk about, and we'll go over the PCE data. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy some time with your family in the summer here. Cheers. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. 
page. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.